Good evening, everyone, and thank you for joining the Attorney General Alliance Africa Twitter space. Today's topic is the state of cybersecurity in Africa. And uh, as we know, October is Cybersecurity Awareness Month, and we felt it befitting to discuss cybersecurity and create awareness about it. And this year's theme is See Yourself in Cyber. So we want to create awareness, we want people to be more involved in cybersecurity so that they are able to protect themselves. Today we'll be joined by two experts, cybersecurity experts. And our first expert is Dr. Bright Mawudo, a cybersecurity engineer and researcher and co-founder of Africa Hakon. Dr. Bright also tells us that uh, he practices Kung Fu. <laughs> I think uh, cybercrime should be on the lookout for Dr. Bright with his Kung Fu. Our second expert is Mr. Alexander Mwasia Muteti. Uh, Mr. Muteti is a Senior Assistant Director of Public Prosecution at the Office of the Director of Public Prosecutions, Kenya, uh, with over 22 years of experience in prosecutions. He, he was admitted to the role of advocates in 2001. Mr. Muteti has received various awards for his work towards safeguarding the rule of law, including the public sector, uh, Lawyer of the Year Award by the Law Society of Kenya in 2021. So I can see Mr. Bright is on, Dr. Bright is on. Uh, Mr. Muteti will join us shortly. So I think we can kick start off. Uh, before we begin, remember to also follow the Attorney General Alliance Africa on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. The handle is AGA underscore Africa. That is AGA underscore Africa on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. So I think uh, Dr. Bright Karibu. Asante Sana. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, thank you for creating the time to to be here and uh, I think we can start off with a few questions about cybersecurity. Probably you can tell us what sure. is cybersecurity and who is most at risk to experience cybercrime? Um, so I think there, there are two things we're talking about right now. So first of all, thank you very much for having me here. and. Uh, it's great to be here again with AGA uh, on Twitter Spaces. Uh, most of the time, we are always running around from country to country trying to get cybersecurity out there, awareness. Um, so to start with, um, I mean, cybersecurity is basically ways of being able to protect yourself um, uh, and, and, I mean, just ways to be able to make sure that you're safe, you're, you're not being compromised easily, you're able to actually safeguard everything you have on the digital space. Um, Oh, the second question is, uh, who is what? Yes, the second question was, who is most at risk to experience Everybody. cybercrime? Everybody. Uh, cybercrime. So I, I think we are, if we talk about cybercrime, we are getting specific to a particular entity, which is uh, criminals trying to actually steal the stuff. But, you know, if, if we look at who's more at risk when it comes to the cybersecurity space, it's everybody. Anybody who has a digital, anybody who has an email, uh, technically, actually, is is uh, susceptible to being uh, being compromised. Be having an email, even there are those who are kids who don't have an email, but they have a digital um, lifestyle or they have some sort of way to be able to access the internet. They are also they all start to 
to be at risk. Yeah. So I would say every single person is at risk here. Yeah. Okay, and I think uh, it's it's also very important people to realize that everyone is at risk, not uh, yes specific people. Everyone is at risk, and uh, there's need to take precautions to protect yourself. Yeah, there, there's a big misconception right now where people think that you only need to have you need to have a big bank account, you need to be a big corporate for you to be at risk when it comes to cybersecurity or cybercrime. But now, the people who actually are more at risk are social media users. Uh, take for example, um, people who actually get into um, uh, how to call it to have the various social media account, Instagram, TikTok, Insta, uh, Twitter, yes. even LinkedIn, they, uh, they start a chance to be compromised easily in the digital lifestyle because they actually um, hold a lot of details there. The same kind of, when people compromise their account, the kind of passwords they use for that is the same thing they use everywhere. And they're actually being uh, targeted uh, much more these days. So, I mean, the... The game is changing. Everybody can be targeted, and uh, we are all not ready for this. Okay, and just to yeah. deep a bit dive uh, to uh, dive a bit deeper into what you've just said uh, in terms yeah. of passwords, uh, we are all human. We might not be able to remember all our passwords. What What would your advice be in terms of creating a password and keeping it safe? Uh, so if I may ask, I, I'm, if I just tell you, go to this web. If anybody's online right now, uh, if you go to security.org, it gives you, there's a link there which says how secure is your password. So if we do that kind of a little bit of an experiment, security.org uh, or okay. security.org, you go there, you see that uh, you basically have, um, uh, if you look at what's, what's my, my, secure, my security score, you basically can see how easily it is that your password that you type, which is normally numbers and characters added to a, a name or something like that, is not yeah. uh, it's not secure. So a secure password is actually a password that you have with spaces in them. The reason is because a space is not usually considered as a character. So it's, it's very easy for you to um, actually uh, have a stronger password yeah, when you actually go to, when you actually use um, spaces in your in your password. Now, I don't I don't expect everybody to be able to remember uh, all of these passwords, right? So yeah. there's what you call a password manager, and a password manager basically allows you to be able to store your password securely online um, and have a one master password, which is a key to the vault. So just the way you have a big vault that has a master key, which actually gives you access to all others, it's, it's quite important for us to have uh, a, master, uh, a password manager. Storing the password in your browser, it, it's okay, um, but there's some tools that are being created these days that when hackers get access to your digital um, applic uh, solutions, uh, digital devices, rather, phones or laptop, they will be able to actually go ahead to extract those passwords from the browser. So what are the password managers we're looking at? We have LastPass. Um, there's LastPass, there's Bitwarden. Um, I mean, we'll, I, mean I think AGA will be, will be tweeting some of these details. So there's okay. LastPass, yeah. there's, yeah. there's Bitwarden, um, there's one password. These are things that we, we can actually use where you can actually have it um, in a way to, um, to store your password. However, 
I tell people having a password alone is not is not good enough. You need to be able to actually make sure that you have also what you call a two-step verification. So I mean, okay. two-step verification has become a common a common security feature which is available for every single application that you have there. If you can actually um, get to secure your application, two-step verification basically means that if I get to try to compromise you and I have somehow guessed your password or got your password, you will have an extra authentication that comes to your phone uh, to enable you to um, to get a code to authenticate that it's actually you who was trying to reset the password or trying to log yes. into a particular application. Almost every social media account, almost every platform these days have two-step verification. You need to actually enable it. Uh, so something like, let's take Gmail, for example. If you go to Gmail and you go to the settings for Gmail, the two-step verification is, uh, is there. You need to activate it. Yes. However, there's something we call backup code. Backup code is actually available right below the, the two-step verification, which is 10 yep. sets of code for you to download in case, in case somehow you lost your password, you lost yes. your mobile device, you will still be able to use that backup code you, you saved somewhere to be able to get back into your account. So it's, it's available for almost every social media. We need to just make sure we activate them. So if you look at all of this conversation, it's about digital lifestyle. This cybersecurity yep. awareness month, we need to just get awareness out and make sure that we are we are actually doing the bare minimum to keep ourselves safe with very simple security procedures that we 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 have every every single day. Okay, okay, that's very good, and uh, I think that's exactly what we're doing here, trying to create awareness. And uh, as you've mentioned, it's important people to have the two-factor authentication step so that they're able to protect themselves. Uh, the next question was, uh, in your opinion, uh, what do you think causes the increase in cybersecurity breaches, especially in the African continent? Yeah. Oh, man. I think, uh, I mean, looking back at where we, we came from, uh, we have we yeah. are doing way better than before. Um, um, when I started running Africa Hackathon, I remember... I remember the first few times we, we tried to show how hackers actually work because that's what we do um, at the conference. We've been doing that for about 10 years, almost nine, nine, 10 years now. And everybody's like, wow, this is how, I mean, is, is it real? It, is this how, um, like, this is how easily it is to actually compromise people? And that was then. And it was easy to do to compromise uh, people at the time. Now we are getting to a stage where I think a little bit more uh, I mean, there are people who are taking it more seriously. Governments are trying to bring up laws and trying to bring in, um, how do you call it? Um, um, they're bringing in policies and this, this compliance yeah. being, being taken in advocacy as well. So I think yeah. we are better off right now. However, we still have yeah. a very, very, very long way to go. The entire world, actually. But looking at Africa, we we have a long way to go because we we still have a lot of people who just read details but they don't get to implement so the implementations of things will be uh, the key aspect of being able to make sure that everything that you're trying to document or policies and strategies that we're documenting every day is actually been is is, is, is being actualized in the various institutions for us to reduce our threats threat attack surface so yeah we we are we are better off now but still we have a lot a long way to go i'll just say that yeah Okay, okay. So there is uh, a lot of work that still needs to be done. Uh, I think with such uh, 
discussions, uh, we are headed in the right direction. Uh, yes. When we talk about cyber threats, uh, yes. what are the types of cyber threats uh, that we have or someone can experience when they are online? Uh, so, so there, I mean, there, there, excuse me, there are way, there are too many cyber threats that are out there. And I, sorry, I think if we have to go, if we want to go into the nitty gritties of, of each and every one of them, we will never finish. Uh, but I, I will I'll mention a few and see how we can actually just, yes. just tug, get yes. to talk about them. So I'll talk about a very non-common type that actually gets to happen a lot. I'll call it money the middle attack. Uh, money the middle attack is basically somebody intercepting or being a person in the middle who gets to intercept traffic between you and uh, you and somebody else. I'll give a typical example. There's a let's call it company A. Uh, company A is in Kenya. They deal with uh, hospitality in the yeah. business, and they basically get to talking to you, who is in the UK, coming to visit Kenya. Now, if the, somebody actually hacks your email server or your email systems, and I've been seeing this happening a lot in Kenya right now and a few other companies, uh, countries, when they intercept that traffic, they get to see who is communicating to the client. Right, so okay. the client is you in UK or, or wherever it is, and you're, let's say you're buying something. So they, they know there's accounts called sales, the payables, they know that the name of the people who are actually um, controlling this email. So what is happening right now with money the middle attack on an email level is they tell you, they, they, they start, they register another domain which looks just like yours, right? So if you're, if you're, your, your your email is 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 John James at AGA Africa agahafrica.com or the co.ke yeah. you register another one AGA, at agahafrica.co.tk um this .tk i've said it a number of times um uh recently that .tk has become a free domain that a lot of people have been using i've been i have been using dot .tk since I was in okay. high school. This is almost 15 years ago. So you can actually get a free domain <laughs> and register. So you can imagine yeah, yeah, there's yeah. no trace to it. Uh, there's no trace to it. You, you basically have free availability to be able to get access to that. Now, people register that, so they start sending messages on your behalf. And the most common one we have, we have been saying is that they tell the client who is you in the UK that we have changed our bank account. Uh, so please pay to this new bank account details. A lot of people have been losing money yes. right in Kenya just because of that. So that's the typical man-in-the-middle attack. Um, but man-in-the-middle attack can also happen on a network. We go to um, coffee shops, we go to places, and the first thing we ask for is what? Wi-Fi. Get on the Wi-Fi, yeah. you're trying to browse. If you don't have a good security mechanism on your laptop, like a VPN or something like that, anybody who's on that network basically can scan the network, see the websites you're going to, see what you're doing and it will force you to go to the different version of that website so if every day your website is um bank a.com um they will send it to bank a.com a duplicate of that looking similar and that way you're going to be putting your password because you can see you're going to that website quite often in the, in the past two minutes or something so those are the two types of, of uh, man in the middle attack we have been seeing another one is uh, we're looking at distributed denial of service if you and I want to fight right now in a room, there's a very high chance either I'll beat you or you beat me. 
<laughs> if, if you fight the fair <laughs> square. But, but for yeah. the fact that I know martial arts, there's a very high chance I'll beat you. Chances are, yes. <laughs> the chances are there. <laughs> but if you see this, uh, <laughs> but if, if you're to call in your boys, you've called in a few other people, even if they are people who are not as stronger, uh, as strong as, as uh, you, or you're stronger than them, many of you try to fight me, you will actually be able to beat me down. Why? Yes. Because there are different kinds of attacks that are hitting me from everywhere, and I'll not be able to actually sustain all of that pressure. We call that a distributed denial of service, where people send so much traffic to your systems or your network or your IP addresses and the likes till it shuts down. That has been a common attack. I know there are various mitigation strategies out there, so many tools that can help you to, um, to stop them. So I see, I see the fact that... Um, uh, I mean, there's many tools, but it's, it's, it's another kind of uh, attack that are there. We have mobile phones being attacked these days. We have vehicle yeah. hacking in, in IoT. Um, you'd be shocked. Uh, there's a search engine in Kenya, uh, not in the world, called Shodan. Shodan allows to be able to basically search for uh, Internet of Things or IoT devices that we see in these days. And you basically can actually, um, how do you call it, um, search for industrial control systems, power grids. You can see uh, water sprinklers, people's cameras, baby monitors that have not been secured. Now, look, I've seen some of them. I've looked at some of them. I've tried to explore some of them. ERPs are online. When you get to use such things, you can actually, there's a time we saw somebody's house and this person's house is in Kyren. We actually yeah. have, we had, we had access. To, this is no password to that whole platform. You can put off his lights. Okay. His, his water sprinkler. You can put on any light on and off. You can close his gates. You can, you can increase the volume of music in his house remotely from our phone. Can wow. you imagine how freaky that would be? And this is happening <laughs> in Kenya. So Extremely. Yeah. I don't want people to start thinking these are only things that we hear from the... We see in the, the movies uh, and, and, and the likes. So that's another kind of thing. IoT devices are becoming commonly getting um, comp compromised um, another one is basically password attacks. People getting access to your passwords. Um, then the and then we have malwares. A lot of malwares are hitting a lot of companies right now. Look at ransomware being the most common. So many people don't have bare minimum anti-malware solutions or or, or uh, whatever endpoint detection and response protection. solutions yeah. on protection on their on the systems, on the servers, on their uh, laptops and the like. So it's easy to actually compromise one of them. Uh, and when you compromise one, it basically spreads through the network because it's it's attacking the machine and it's been coded in a way that that particular machine is is being is a trusted device on the network. So anyone can basically it it affects everybody. The cost of that, and that's why this is where people need to listen very carefully. Organizations don't like to spend when it comes to cybersecurity because they don't see the tangible outcome of it. If a ransomware mm -hmm. hits you right now you will basically be crippled. You basically cannot have access to all your documents. You can't have access to, um, to, your, to, your, to your files that you've had for years. There's a company that had files from 1961 and they started digitizing them. But however, they, they, all the other documents have been thrown away from 1961 until now, guess what? They don't have access to those files anymore. Um, so it's wow. really critical for us to be able to start having conversations from the top, from the management level. People need to understand the essence of how exactly we can actually, uh, how do you call it, um, 
is uh, how can protect ourselves. Uh, last but not the least, one of the most common, I think even you might have experienced it very recently, we call it social engineering attacks. Social engineering yes, yes. Uh, is basically hacking the human brain. How can I convince you to basically give me what I want by asking you the right questions to give me the right answer? Uh, I'll give a very common one uh, for those who are listening from Kenya. There's a very uh, common one that is happening uh, from Kenya. And they basically, some, some guys from I don't know where called you and say, hey, uh, your account has been registered twice on M-Pesa. Uh, how about uh, we help you to deregister that mobile mobile banking, no, not mobile banking, M-Pesa account. Is your name Bright Gamini? Yes. I'm like, yes. Is your ID number this? I'm like, well, yes. Um, how about your, what was the last transaction? You know, the normal common questions that M-Pesa or Safaricom customer care will actually ask you because I'm on Safaricom, right? So they yes, yes, mimic, they try to mimic the same procedure because they've mastered them. And they said, okay, there's another number registered under the name Rahesh Patel, you know? So obviously, you know that it, that is very completely different from your tribe. You basically yes. say, oh, no, 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 no. So they tell you, oh, we're supposed to send a code to you. So they actually try to reset your MPESA pin and they make a push to your phone number. If you ever give them that pin, they tell you, oh, can you read out the number that has just come to your phone? If you actually open that and give them that uh, particular pin, you'll be compromised. Your entire person will be, will, be will be withdrawn and they basically yes. can use that uh, as a way, as an attack vector into your bank account and mobile banking uh, systems as well because you probably have used the same pin for your mobile banking. So we need to basically just be, uh, be careful on the kind of ways we give out details. And, and these are some of this, the bare minimum of... Uh, cyber threats that are out there. I could go on for the next okay. two hours. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you very much for that. And I think uh, these are things we are, we are experiencing nowadays, as even, even online uh, yeah. on the social media platforms. Somebody tells you, I would like to, I need you to assist me to recover my account when in essence they've actually requested for a recovery code for your account. And when you yeah. send it, Again, you're compromised. And even businesses are losing money when they're compromised. So it actually affects uh, everyone, uh, businesses, individuals. And uh, that actually leads to my next question. The kind of impact yeah. that uh, these threats create in terms of uh, an individual losing money, uh, probably that's, that's the money they needed to pay rent, to buy food or whatever it is they need for sustainability, uh, businesses losing income, uh, probably some of them even have to close down. Uh, in terms of the impact, uh, what do you think uh, the impact has been, both at an individual level and also even at a corporate level, uh, not only in Kenya, but also uh, around the continent? Man, is, uh, I'll try to keep that sh short and sweeter. Uh, people have been suffering. People have been fired at the board level yes. in cyber attacks. Cybersecurity okay. right now, if you go to, I'll, I'll talk about the, the world at large, um, in the United States especially, cybersecurity is now a board conversation. It, you cannot treat it as a normal, everyday conversation. You cannot treat it as a by the way. It's as important yes. as your, your, your finance report. So cybersecurity is at a board level. Uh, so I don't know why 
I, I mean, I'm part of a few boards um, in, in Kenya and around the world. And I'm wondering why we are, there are not many more of me who are in Kenya who are being added to the boards of di- board of directors for companies because of cybersecurity issues. Not because they're coming to give okay. a, a, a strategic direction, but just to be able to um, certify some of the details of things that have been found. It is a board yes. conversation. It's about time we in Africa start to realize it, that some of these things have to be discussed from the top because it's really important. Businesses have shut down. I know a factory that has shut down. I know an oil company that has shut down before because of a cyber attack. The earlier we start to identify this and take it seriously that it, it's, it's a matter of life and death, you're not, gonna, you're not going to actually get to know the, the length part of it. Let me take a typical example. I'm, bringing, I'm, I'm talking about Kenya a lot because this is where I am and I see a lot of yes, things happening. Yes, yes. Almost everybody has a loan app. Almost everybody has a betting app. The betting companies that are here right now are many, right? Everybody has a say. They have a float where they actually put yes. an amount of money, which could be $5,000, $10,000 because of the number of people who are betting, who are borrowing every single day because that's how they make yes. money. Yes. Let me tell you something. There's a syndicate or group of people in Kenya who technically target such companies and they go and drain the entire wallets. Why? Wow. Because of basic cybersecurity gaps that are, not, that, that are there and they've not been able to address them. So we need, to, we need to start taking this as a very serious issue and knowing the fact that you are going to be targeted. There are so many ways to be able to compromise your account, so many ways to be able to compromise a network, so many ways to compromise an application, and it only takes a hacker one single loophole that they find. And it's getting easier. Let me tell you, it's getting so easy because, man, the tools are there. They're all open source. As I talk yeah. to you right now, I'm scanning a website and I'm seeing vulnerabilities. By the time you finish the Twitter spaces, I, will, I might be able to write a report for them. Why? Because it's now taking me 10 seconds to be able to break in to this particular organization because of a simple flag they have not put on, uh, on their website. It's, 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 that, it's getting that serious. Well, yeah. that, is, uh, that is very worrying, uh, especially such businesses who have, like you've mentioned, big wallets. Uh, they're interacting with money every single day. And yeah. to, some, to some extent, the money is not theirs, yeah? Like I, I could deposit money it's in my not. wallet for yeah, a sports yeah, betting yeah. company and the following day, there's nothing. It, it could not be theirs or possibly it could be money they have somebody has invested in them through like a, an, like an angel investor maybe yes. just to close that part, that particular topic um there there, there are very few things that organizations need to do uh before we before they even take actions or whatever it is because people like to be reactive when it comes to cybersecurity. there's something we call threat modeling um and threat modeling is a conversation i like to discuss with a lot of organizations when i talk to them especially senior senior managers and i think a lot of people who are this twitter spaces right now can take back yeah threat modeling needs you to be able to um let you get to define some of the things that you need to look at before you even know what mitigation strategies you put together so the first step you need to define what are security requirements a lot of people don't even know what they don't know or what they don't need. So defining the security requirements for your organization or for your application or whatever you have needs to be there. Defining, I mean, defining the nitty gritties of it. You need to create an application diagram, exactly, um, I mean, the details of what it is that you're trying to 
create and the processes yeah. that are going to take from, from start to finish. You need to know what are the ways you'll be identifying this threat. What assets on greatest risk? Look at an organization right now. If I go to a bank, the CFO's laptop might be the asset of greatest risk. Another company, another bank will tell you the database is, a, is the asset of greatest risk. Another person yeah. will tell you, um, you know, the front desk lady is an asset of greatest risk. Because let me tell you something, I broke into a bank before because the front desk lady led me right yeah. into the boardroom. I planted a device into the, how to call it, the telephone, um, IP phone thing. And I got access yes, to the network. Yes. And from, for the whole weekend, we don't have to sit there to scan the network and hack it. From home, nice and easy. So creating a security requirement, creating an application diagram, identifying the threat, and then you have to find mitigating, you have to find ways of how you can be mitigating this threat. And you have to validate that these threats have been mitigated by putting in the right strategy in place. Without kind of threat modeling, you are fighting a losing battle because you don't know where to look. There are too many fights, there are too many bullets that are going to come at you. You don't know when the bullets will fire. You don't know when you're going to get hit. Where do you put a shield? Yeah. Okay. Uh, that sounded a bit scary, knowing that people, <laughs> uh, especially businesses, are not uh, taking it that seriously. But uh, yeah. I think uh, it's important to create that awareness. Uh, and as you've said, we need more people at the board level taking cybersecurity more seriously. Uh, yes. The challenge could be they're not seeing any... Uh, monetary value right now until that's true the threat has hit so we hope yeah. things will change and we hope such forums will lead to that and uh yeah in terms yeah. of people hacking into uh businesses or personal accounts what mm -hmm. kind of uh reprieve do the victims have do we have laws in place to protect them are they sufficient? Do we need to do more in terms of legislation uh, to be able to prevent or at least make sure those who uh, execute the threats uh, face the law? I wish ODPP representative was here to answer that question. But anyway, <laughs> there are laws right now. And if I tell people, if you think you're going to get away with a cyber crime, you're lying to yourself. You will be caught someday. I, and I feel if you're not getting caught by the system, uh, nature will cut you. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's the same. But let, let me ask you a question. Yeah. Uh, do you have do you, do you have a lock on your door at home? Yes, I do. <laughs> maybe even uh, three. Maybe in three. Do your neighbors <laughs> have a, a gate? Yes. Yes. Why do you think they have it? <laughs> To make sure whoever is not supposed to be in will not get in. When do you think this person is going to come? When do I think? When do you think this person who is not supposed to be in going to come to you? I I have no idea. They can Good come at any time. That, that, thank you. That's the answer I was looking for. So we can never, yes. <laughs> ever be sure. That's why we need to put the security measures before... It happen, but if the person gets to come and then we have a security measure such as a panic button and the like, we know yes. or, or, or a camera, they will be prosecuted by the law because they actually broke in and there's evidence. 
So we need to make sure that we actually understand the ways of digital forensic evidence collection, right? Um, yes, yes. Uh, but the thing is, we for those to actually happen, we need to make sure that uh, we can basically, um, what's the word? The laws that are there, but the law will only work with what it can actually find. So there are various steps when it comes to digital forensics or even evidence collection. It's identification to identify the purpose of the investigation, identify the resources yeah. that are required, this preservation, getting to analyze the data that you find, there's documentation before the presentation when it comes to court of law. Without those things, you don't have a strong case to be able to prosecute somebody. Just the way you cannot tell if this thief was a thief who came to steal your stuff in your house if you don't have a camera, right? So yes. we, we do have the law. Uh, right now, data protection, uh, the, um, the, the, the Office of the Data Protection right now is very active in telling people, if you're actually hosting data of a critical data of somebody, you need to register those details and be able to... Um, um, actually declare those and how what you're doing to be able to protect them. So I think we, we're getting somewhere, I think, to take some time before the actual realization of that comes to play. Um, so yeah, okay. the law is there. And um, digital, the DCI and the likes have all the tools. Um, I mean, there are various entities or part of the government yeah, who can actually uh, extract such a for good information. Okay, okay. And... Uh... We're still waiting for, we still have, uh, Mr. Muteti will still join us. So as soon as he joins us, we'll be able to ask him uh, some of these questions from that perspective of the ODPP office. Okay. So uh, AGA Africa does a lot in terms of uh, trying to create awareness uh, of uh, transnational crimes uh, doing trainings and the likes. What are some of the things you've partnered with? Uh, you've partnered, partnered in with AGA Africa in terms of uh, yeah. creating awareness for cybersecurity uh, in the continent, uh, in yeah. Kenya. And uh, have you seen a change after such uh, activities have taken place? Oh, man, I, I have to tell you, it's been a blessing. Um, when ever since I started engaging AGA Africa, um, yes. it, that, that's been like four five years now. I think I'm not too sure. Uh, it's been it's been a while, and we've we've traveled across across the uh, across the continent, trying to talk to law enforcement, um, lawyers, judges, judges, magistrates. We've done quite if I list down the number of trainings that I've done with AGA um, yeah. across East Africa, West Africa. It's been it's been amazing. And the experience has always been the same. I, I think we have all have a common problem and it, it runs across. And that's why I like when HGA organizes these uh, workshops, when people come from various places and uh, come to share the same ideas, you realize we all have the same problems. We just needed to find a common ground to be able to solve yes. them. So it's been really great. Um, the reception has been really good. Uh, every time I think we, we, we finish one session, they said, hey, can you come back? So next few months, we're on the next flight out. Next uh, event has been organized. And the, the changes that are coming, the new legislative aspect of things that are, are coming out of those engagements are really good. If, if, uh, for, for those who are listening right now, if you don't have access to the AGA reports, please subscribe to it. Go to AGA Africa, the AGA Africa website. You should be able to subscribe. 
I believe. Um, I naturally get them all the time. Where you can see the kind of work that has been done when it comes to fighting cybercrime and, and cybersecurity has, has become, it's reaching the right people, you know? Yeah. Um, because imagine trying to tell a judge, this is what exactly happens in the deep web. He's like, what? A deep web? What? Okay. There's deep web, there's dark web. Okay. Um, there's, there's, this is what is evidence collection when it comes to electronic evidence, you know? And we get to discuss in depth. And the beauty of what I like doing with AGA is I like to do live demonstration. I think that has come a long way that they get to see exactly what is happening in the real world. So when they're dealing with it in reality, it's not, uh, it's not a hearsay. So yeah, I, I will encourage yes. people to follow AGA Africa on all social media and also the website and subscribe to these reports because it really goes a very, very long way. Yeah. Okay. So definitely AGA is doing a lot of good work uh, within the continent. Yeah. And uh, they've done a lot of work with you in terms of creating awareness uh, in the cybersecurity space, which is good. Remember to follow AGA Africa on uh, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram at AGA underscore Africa. That is AGA underscore Africa. So now we are joined by Duncan Ondimu, Senior Principal Prosecution Counsel. Karibu sana. Welcome, Duncan. Thank you. And uh, we apologize for the delay in joining in. My colleague, Mitum Teti, was having challenges on the internet. Yeah. No problem. No problem. We are, we are happy you have been able to join us. Probably you can introduce yourself, uh, tell us what you do. Uh, yes, with the with the office. Okay. Uh, as you've heard, my name is Duncan Undimu. I'm a senior principal prosecution counsel. I work at the ODPP. At the moment, I'm stationed in uh, Narrow County, but for long I had been I had been in Nairobi for quite a while. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much for creating the time and joining us. And uh, I think you've just joined at the right time. We had uh, touched on uh, legislation and policies that are in place uh, to either prosecute uh, the people who execute uh, cyber threats and also how people can get reprieve if they become uh, victims. Probably you can touch a bit on that. Okay, um, maybe looking at, uh, there are several legislative, uh, we don't have a, one legislation which captures everything to do with cybercrime and uh, cyber security. But however, okay. we have uh, several acts of parliament that touches bits and bits of here and there. But uh, maybe to begin with, before we even looked at, uh, we look at the various sections of the law, we need to understand that from our constitution, Article 260 of the constitution, it defines yep. a document. It starts from definition of a document. So in effect, the constitution contemplates uh, both physical and a virtual environment that we now operate in. Then this, the act that most of us are well aware of is the uh, Kenya Information and Communication Act. Kenya Information and Communication Act. Then we do have no. the Computer Misuse, Computer Misuse and Cybercrime Act. We have the recent uh, Data Protection Act. Then we also have uh, the um, Prevention of Terrorism Act. There's an aspect of the Prevention of Terrorism Act that briefly touches on uh, communication and data, 
which goes long way, which goes into touches a bit on cyber security and the rest. Then also there are other areas that uh, they are not necessarily laws, but give guidance. We have the national ICT policy framework. Then you have the various institutional frameworks. So like, for example, the, the response mechanism that has been put in place by the government to deal in case of any cyber attack or anything, the national response mechanism. Those are some of the, 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 the legal provisions. Then also we need to look at uh, briefly the international aspects, things to do with the Budapest Convention and the, the, other, the other documents that, that have been signed, uh, but that have been assented to by the, the uh, Republic of Kenya. That also okay. touch on things to do with the uh, cyber security. Okay, and in terms of uh, where we are right now and where we could be, uh, what kind of steps do you think, uh, not only Kenya but even the continent Africa, what are the steps you think we should be taking towards making sure uh, we improve the policies we already have so that we are better able to protect, prosecute, and also give reprieve to to victims of uh, cyber threats? Uh, one of the things is that uh, we need first to look at, in our legislation, what are the, uh, uh, what would we look at as the form of, what are the challenges that are faced by various practitioners? Uh, for example, we have the question of admissibility of evidence. If, for example, you've collected something online, how do we ensure that this data is secured? Most of these service providers that uh, we use here, maybe email or the various social media platforms, they are not okay. ideal in the country. So it brings in challenges to do with them. MLA processes, and you know, that process takes ages. Though there, there, there are quite a number of challenges. That's being one of them. Maybe the other challenges that I would uh, mention is the volatile, uh, vo volatile nature of the data that we are dealing with. Okay. And but the biggest as prosecutors, the biggest challenge we can say is the fact that uh, the admissibility, because courts in Kenya have already looked at the admissibility. There's a very good judgment by Justice uh, Professor Ngugi when he was in Kambu on admissibility. Then also we face challenges to do with the, what we prosecutors usually insist on, the chain of custody. From the time this data is, uh, is seized, how, how, who, has, who has had access to it from that time? How do we ensure that that was the format which the data was seized? And the time the person reports to the police until the time the investigations are done, how was this data preserved? Yeah. Okay, okay. I hope that, that is good. I think, uh, like I had mentioned earlier, there's still room for improvement and uh, such avenues as uh, this Twitter space push for creating awareness where uh, we are able to highlight some of the things that people need to be careful of and uh, organizations like AGA Africa organizing trainings, uh, training judges, lawyers, police officers, on how to look at some of these things. Yeah. Uh, there's a question I had asked uh, Bright earlier, and I think I would also want you to give uh, your insight on it. And this was uh, the types of cyber threats uh, that we have, especially here in Kenya, and uh, yeah. 
around around the continent what 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 is your contribution in terms of the threats that uh, you have come across in your line of work okay some of the threats uh, in uh, most uh, of us have come especially the ones in in most of the urban areas it's one of them is cyber cyber fraud which basically affects uh, most of these platforms that co- conduct e-commerce for example jumuya then there's the issue of the mobile banking application and payment platforms then also yeah. stuff to do with publication of for, for uh, false information hacking of government uh, websites the phishing okay. then uh, cyberbullying but one of the most dangerous one cyber terrorism though uh, most people may it may not be all that pronounced but there there the, the is a case that's ongoing at the moment that basically touches on cyber terrorism where somebody was using the cyber for purposes of uh, conducting recruiting uh, terrorist uh, for terrorism activities this really it's those are some of the need and uh, it's they're quite dangerous though most kenyans have experienced the issue of the banking the e-commerce website and the banking uh, sector the fintech okay and you have any examples of where uh, there was such a case and uh, the victims were able to be compensated uh, when somebody has been prosecuted if if uh, i think you must have if anyone who is in the the, the banking sector would tell you there's a place called uh, mulot most of the complainants have been able to to get to to recover their money because okay. if you realize there are all these crimes that are being committed and you'd realize that uh, there's a i don't know whether you've heard of a mulot town it's a very remote area in narok until now the ministry of ict has decided to put up a an it center in that village okay. because with several people have been arrested but still the same area is being uh, responsible for that okay okay so at least there is uh, there is hope of people being uh, either compensated or some reprieve for them yes. with the current laws yes. and uh, we are hoping that we'll be able to move forward in terms of improving the laws and uh, the legislations that we currently have yes maybe 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 before you move to another area at yes. the moment we are having serious discussions on uh, one thing that's emerging on cyber security and cyber and data that we had not been able to address it it's on artificial okay. intelligence as prosecutors how are we going to deal with this because at the moment there's no single legislation that is providing for artificial intelligence so how do we tackle this how do we ensure that all these things that are being done by machine if it affects somebody's rights if it there's criminal responsibility or criminal sanctions have arisen who do we attach the criminal responsibility to while this activity may be probably are being carried out by machine so it's an area which it's worth looking at on uh, air and yes. criminal aspects of air yeah uh dr bright i don't know whether you would like to comment on that on ai artificial intelligence i mean uh, uh duncan nailed it right there i mean there's a time when uh, a car hit um a black person in the, in the states when they're doing much when they're training it to actually learn how to self drive a self driving car and the yes. question was asked why did it hit that person and the answer was because it was not trained to be able to identify somebody of that color so now you try to find do, wow. you, do you, when you go to court 
do you blame the car or do you blame the car maker? <laughs> because the car maker will tell you it was it was the car that has it's been written, the code has been written. It's supposed to automatically learn to see an object, a human being. Yes. But it was not seeing yes. that human being as the kind of uh, that of that person as a, as a human being, right? So it, it, yeah. it just this is going to become a, an area of contention, and we've seen a lot of AI and machine learning algorithms coming to do things. So yeah, in a court of law, that's going to become very difficult. However, I think we even have a lot of of issues trying to deal with the current um basics of uh of of law i i i'll ask a question to this entire uh of to all listeners and even to you if yeah. you've been uh cyber bullied and you go to kilalesha police station what are you going to tell them you go there. <laughs> yeah, yeah so you look at it there there are very few duncans who are out there who understand this problem and understand the fact that people need to understand what is evidence collection. And I mentioned that yes. just before he actually came in, uh, the identification, preservation, analysis, documentation, and presentation of those evidence of or digital forensic evidence before it yes. really gets to, to the course of law. So a lot of education is needed. A lot of awareness is needed for even, um, and that's what I think every time I, I, we work with AGA, we try to take some of these issues and details to to law enforcement agencies that this is what you're supposed to do. So it's, it's a very, it's a growing area before even artificial intelligence becomes in later. We still have a lot of um, basics to deal with. Thank you. Okay, okay. Even as we deal with the basics, I can hear that we also need legislation when it comes to artificial intelligence. Because otherwise, that's a big loophole where we might not be yeah. able to prosecute or know how to handle it. Yeah. Uh, I would like to go back to Duncan, and uh, the question I have is, what tools do you think law enforcement agencies, uh, law enforcement departments need to be able to identify and prevent cybercrime? I think uh, the first, as the doctor has mentioned, the first thing we need to do is first train, create awareness, create awareness on cybercrime, create awareness on electronic uh, crimes that have been committed, create awareness on the risk and the also vulnerabilities that we expose. So what, 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 as, um, what you've asked, uh, if you can repeat it again, but I went into too much of the awareness bit. <laughs> no worries. Uh, Law enforcement agencies, what do they need to identify and prevent cybercrime? At the moment, we have a very, some well-trained officers, but they are not enough. We can't say they're enough because the only two, they're only in Nairobi. That's at the Anti-Tourism Police Unit and at uh, okay. the CAB, as a recent established forensic laboratory. It has very, very experienced officers, but these are not really enough. So what we need for our law enforcement is spread this knowledge that these few officers in Nairobi have. Because when you compare yes. those officers with our officers, uh, what would say, qua ground, it's totally different. So if this training can be sent to the officer, the, you know, the person who is at the OB, like you've asked a question, you've gone to Kilelesho, you are, you are talking about cyberbullying. This officer himself is wondering, what is cyberbullying? 
You even said that you are bullied on a Twitter space. So you just, he doesn't even have an idea what is Twitter or anything. So it's, yes. it, we need to now spread this knowledge so that it will enable our officers to be able to identify the threats, to be able to identify uh, even when the crime has been committed. How do we collect this evidence? How do we preserve this evidence? How do we contact the service providers, for example? Because most of these service providers, the, the owners are not within the country. So who do we contact, for yeah. example, for the MLA processes? Those are some of the things that the office is looking at to spread this knowledge, because uh, that's the intention of the DPP in establishing the Prosecutor Institute, because it's not only going to serve prosecutors themselves, but the agencies that the prosecution service works with, because it's pointless for me to understand all these cybercrime issues and the officers I'm dealing with have no idea what I'm talking about. So that's the intention of ensuring that we all are on the same page in terms of identifying these challenges. So it's the capacity building is the most, most important for to our law enforcement for them to be able to identify these threats and constant engagement with them. Yes. Okay, thank you very much for that. Uh... Dr. Bright, I don't know whether you have anything to add on uh, what these agencies might need. Oh, I think I think Duncan has covered it pretty well. I, there's nothing else to add. Thank you. Okay. Uh, and we've been joined by Mr. Gitonga Muranga, who's a senior principal prosecution counsel. Uh, Karibu sana, Mr. Muranga. Uh, thank you so much for joining me. I mean, sorry for, for allowing me to join you, sorry. Karibu sana, we are happy that you're here. Uh, thank you for joining us. And uh, probably I can just uh, throw a question to you. Uh, I've also seen uh, this question on the chats. Uh, in terms of protecting myself as an individual, what, 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 do you, what would you say are some of the steps I can take to protect myself from uh, cybercrime? Okay, um... Thank you for that question. I was, I was uh, actually having a challenge uh, joining the this uh, cyberspace because of one of the security features I had put on my phone, uh, oh. which is often uh, uh, basically not allowing the microphone to be accessed by other apps. I, I guess that could be one okay. of the things. Uh, Definitely. But in, in, in this aspect, I, I can't say I'm an expert in it. This is something probably... Daktari will be better place to to speak on, uh, but I do know in terms of um, there is a lot of information that we are trying to spread out there in terms of protecting children from harmful exposure. Uh, you know, yes. like for instance, where parents are able to put uh, passwords uh, that uh, protect uh, children from accessing sites or even from having conversations with strangers. Because you, you do know you could be having, like, for instance, an application for an innocent game like chess. And, yes. and over, over the application, uh, the, the, the players can be able to, to con uh, have a conversation. And, and obviously, these are all uh, a vulnerable uh, areas in which uh, children can also be exposed. And also the applications that they have on their phones there is uh, uh, the, the advertisement that come over those applications and uh, probably deviate you to another site. 
those are i think those are all aspects of um, danger that parents are, should be made aware of i i, I do know that uh, for instance the government and um, the enforcement agencies have taken steps to ensure that they protect children against exploitations on the internet uh, where there we we have uh, children uh, uh, been taken photos and they are exposed uh, online through pornographic sites and others and we we have the criminal investigation agency having a specialized unit that deals with these aspects uh, basically to protect children and i know at the office at the office we've also come up with um, a policy that will ensure that we are able to take the aspect of children and their protection against uh, uh, cyber security risks so that we put it at the forefront uh, okay. as children are very vulnerable. But if you allow me, I want to yes. just add something that uh, maybe Duncan may have spoken on or not. No problem. The That's aspect okay. of the, of the um, National Computer and Cyber Crimes Coordination Committee, it's called NC4. NC4 is... is, is is um, a, a committee that ha is a multi-agency committee established under the Section 4 of the Computer Muses and Cybercrimes Act. Basically, this committee is a multi-agency approach towards dealing with issues of cybersecurity. If uh, Dr. Ari mentioned, you will note that cybersecurity goes beyond cybercrime. And therefore... Yes. Uh, the, the 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 whole aspect of the cyber uh, the national computer and cyber crimes coordination committee is to look at the at the issue from the cyber security aspect and not just on an a cyber crime aspect because you remember we have also key installations that need to be protected and we are going to a situation where we are having our systems very digitalized and and uh, global uh, warfare in the future will no longer be an issue of even using nuclear weapons. It will be an issue of uh, deploying, for instance, uh, malware that uh, paralyzes yes. countries and are unable to make them uh, functions effectively. So to be able to address many of the challenges that may occur, the government launched the National Cybersecurity Strategy 2022, 2027. Okay. If you're able to go to the nc4.go.ke, you will be able to find that national cybersecurity strategy. That strategy tells you how the country intends to deal with issues to do with cybersecurity in the country. And that will be your starting point. That is my contribution. Okay, thank you very much for to, that. I have to uh, agree. Yeah, I have to agree with him. Uh, the NC4, I, I mean, if you, yeah. I don't know if people, people have read uh, the document, but it's so detailed. I mean, I, 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 I could, I, I've seen NC3 happen, NC4 has happened right now. It's a very detailed document, and I think uh, we need to be able to basically get to get a hand of it, a hold of it, and read it, and be able to see how different, uh, even private sector, should be able to see how they can contribute to the. Uh, to, 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 to actually make this come uh, to, to become a reality. So yeah, it's a really, really detailed document. Okay, thank you very much for that. Uh, I would just like to check the chat and see whether we have uh, any questions for the panelists. 
I think we've covered a lot and even the previous questions that have been asked during the week, I think have been answered. We have uh, Eneda who, who asks, how do I protect myself when using uh, an open Wi-Fi? Or is this completely a no-no? Uh, I think Dr. Bright, you can assist on that question. Oh, if, if, if what again? I did not. Uh, the question yes. was, how do I protect myself when I'm on, I'm on an open Wi-Fi? Or should I never join an open Wi-Fi? Um, so I, I actually answered that question earlier on. If you have a VPN, uh, be it Express VPN or any other, you're safer to be able to browse on that Wi-Fi, uh, on that open Wi-Fi. However, if it's something that is really sensitive and you want to do, I will suggest that you hotspot your phone to be able to use it to, to I mean, you, you hotspot by tethering and use that to be able to do the transaction. But otherwise, it's best if you have a VPN. Okay. Uh, somebody has just asked me, what is a VPN? <laughs> oh, yeah, great. So a VPN is a virtual private network, uh, basically a software that you install in your phone or you install on your laptop to enable you to securely connect to websites um, through channels. So basically, um, take it to, to be like um, you want to get it from point A to point B. If you go through, if, you want to, if you're in Kenya and you want to go from, I don't know if that person is in Kenya, but if you use the main road, you might get to the yes. airport very late if you're coming from Westlands. If you use the expressway, you pay extra, but you get there faster and securely, <laughs> knowing there's nobody who's going to stop you or be able to actually attack you that easily. That's just yes, basically yes, how yes. it is. You're paying extra for you to go through a secure channel to be able to access the services that you want to access and knowing that nobody will be able to actually start sniffing through your conversation or your traffic to see what you're doing. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. So I think that one is okay. Uh, let me check whether we have another question. Mm, somebody has commented, we also have just signed a cyber security strategy. I think that has been mentioned also. Uh, probably one last question, uh, and this is from uh, my end in terms of... Uh, and somebody here, Lucas, has uh, touched on it. Uh, the government has a lot of data, uh, whether it's people's names, their ID numbers, uh, there's even the phone numbers. What are, what, are, what are some of the ways, if any one of the panelists knows, that the government uses to protect all this data that they have for the citizen. Um, if I may just take that, uh, if I you know if any of my panelists can also add on to that later. I don't yes. think there's any one solution that fits all. If you're thinking about cybersecurity or cyber resilience, and you think there's one method or one tool that's going to solve all the problems, that's a lie. So don't ever think that there's one solution that can solve all the problems. The government is doing their best to be able to protect the data, I believe. Um, and they also have, and looking at all these kind of divisions that are out there with expertise, uh, both local and international, um, they are contributing to be able to make the data safe. It will take some time. Even if you have the best systems, even the most protected systems in, this, in, the, in the world get to be penetrated. So there's never 100% security, and I don't think we should ever 
think or believe that we can secure all every all national data easily. Okay. Uh, it should take time. Yeah. Uh, Duncan, do you have anything to add on that? Yeah. Or Mr. Um, Moranga? I think the, 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 the key thing that, um, as uh, you've pointed out, uh, what uh, is doing on training, training is, is key, is key. We cannot have, as uh, Dr. has mentioned, there's no one solution. Uh, but to me, I look at it from the angle of creating an awareness, building capacity, it will really, really help a lot in dealing with the cybercrime. And also what uh, you'd realize that from the Data Protection Act, organizations are required to appoint, I don't know, they're called data officers or something. This, okay. this would, would assist in ensuring that the data the government has is, is, key. is key. For example, right now at ODPP, we are in the process of automating everything from the decision to charge Everything will be online based. Okay. Yeah, online based. There will be less and less paper, less and less paper. So this calls in for us to ensure that this data that we are collecting, because data is the biggest resource that we are going to have, because data enables us to control the market. It controls the market because if this data, for example, if somebody is prosecuted and this data is out there. Probably it might affect his credit score, then he's acquitted, it has affected his credit score, it has affected his uh, purchasing power, or any other web-based uh, issue. So this calls for uh, true, and uh, that's why the office is really emphasizing on data. As much as we are uh, uh, automating everything, we have to protect this data. Yeah, thank you. Okay, thank you for that. Uh, we do have a question here from uh, Victor. Uh, and it's directed to Dr. Bright. He says, I heard you talk about the cyber threats that are occurring. Uh, when I check about the threats in Kenya, it is, it is few, or there are few threats compared to the Western countries. How, do, how does the antivirus software uh, collect this data? And does it mean we are safe? Um, so I have many questions for that person. I don't know where he's get, he or she is getting that information from. Uh, yes. I don't think there's any antivirus software that can collect just that. Um, and uh, if, if there are many systems that can collect data to actually visualize and show you where the threats are coming from and what is true or not. So I okay. wouldn't say I wouldn't say the threats that are coming to Kenya are few. No. I mean, compared to other places. And then and the thing is, as we speak right now, if you, if you just Google live yeah. threat maps google that right now anybody live threat maps you see so many um organizations such as kaspersky's uh, checkpoint and the likes who are showing you live threat maps they all have different numbers so because they have different honey pots to see where the threats are coming from they have different kind of uh, uh threat attack maps so we can't have one uh, what he's saying right now of what is few or what is not is i can't quantify that okay okay and uh, another question from Ahmed. He, he asks, what is the threat level for Kenya? Uh, is it low, moderate, high compared to the rest of the world? Again, um, I will ask a question to, to him. What is the rest of the world? <laughs> to quantify a cyber threat is not an easy thing yes. to actually just put out there. So we need to be able to have statistics and say, 
compared to which countries? Are we looking at Guam? If you look at a country like Guam, what is their yeah. internet penetration level even? Are we looking at okay. that against uh, Ghana? So we need a lot of, they have to be side by side. We can't tell exactly what are we compared to the other rest of the world. Everybody's dealing with their own cyber threats in a different way. Okay, okay. Uh, I think we have come to the end of our discussion. Uh, thank you very much, everyone who has joined. Uh, thank you to our panelists for creating the time to join us and also answer our questions. Uh, I would just like to give our panelists a few minutes to give us their parting shots uh, before we exit. We can start with uh, Dr. Bright. Yeah, so I managed to say thank you to AGA Africa and uh, my fellow panelists and for you to hosting this. Um, I believe that we are all uh, susceptible to cyber attacks and we have to come together to be able to share knowledge and information to be able to actually fight it and come to some sort of an acceptable level. Um, so cyber attacks will forever be there. We are never going to, to, to stop getting them. We better be able to be ready to be able to tackle them one way or the other. Thank you. Thank you very much for that. Uh, Duncan? Uh, 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 my appreciation goes to, to AG for hosting this. It's, it's, it's a very good uh, topic. It, it's, um, and due to the changing nature of uh, uh, cyber issues, it's something which requires constant and constant engagement. And uh, thank you uh, for, for this. And I look forward to you having more and more of these engagements. They are really critical in ensuring that knowledge is spread wide and across the country. Much appreciated. Thank you very much. I would also like to thank AGA Africa for giving us this opportunity. Uh, they do a lot of good work in terms of training uh, different groups of people around Africa uh, and creating awareness about cybersecurity. Remember, you can follow AGA Africa on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram at AGA underscore Africa. That's AGA underscore Africa. On the chat, there's a link where you can click and give us your feedback. We'll also post it as a tweet so that you're able to click and give us your feedback. Let us know whether you want more discussions on cybersecurity and different other topics, and we'll be able to organize those. Thank you very much, guys, for joining. Have a wonderful evening. See you next time. See you. Thank you so much.